Welcome back to the Iris Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Katherine Hargis and Elizabeth Henderson, where we talked about Marquita Bradshaw's win and the VP announcement. Kamala Harris, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So second part of the conversation, equally as important. Also very exciting. This conversation gives a lot of information for folks who want to take action in some races here in Tennessee. If you want to see Mm -hmm. some things change in the state, there are candidates that you can support. You can make phone calls. You can send text messages. You can get yard signs. You can help get people to the polls. That's going to be important uh, this November for sure. Hope everybody out there is planning to either early vote or has a plan to get their absentee ballot in early. So take a listen. We're going to cover state house and state Senate races across Tennessee, um, particularly the ones that are in districts that are flippable, meaning they're Republican held historically and now a Democrat is vying for them and has an excellent chance of winning. So without further ado, here we go. Um, all right, we we put a lot of um, focus on the top of the ticket races, right? Um, these are your presidential races, like governor's race, but why um, should Tennesseans pay attention to their state house and state Senate races? Other than that's Catherine Harrigus's bread and butter, what are some other reasons we should pay attention to those races? I'll actually ask Elizabeth to answer this because I have a lot of thoughts going forward? Well, I think first and foremost, our state legislature is the people who enact, amend, or, you know, repeal any Tennessee law. So it is the number one thing that it impacts your life um, as a Tennessean. Uh, really, it is the governing body that really has the, the strongest ability uh, to, to make decisions on uh, things that, that really you and your family um, are impacted by. So, you know, to me, it is so critical to care about these local races and down ballot races because uh, they really are making laws that are are changing your lives every day. Uh, You know, we are in a super minority as Democrats in the state house and state Senate. So essentially, um, our state legislature is an unchecked branch of government. Uh, That means that they can Republicans can vote to suspend the rules. They can pass essentially almost any legislation. Uh, And so I think the second reason why it's critical for Democrats to get out and vote in these races is that um, until we break that supermajority, we don't actually have a government that is working on behalf of all Tennesseans. Uh, It is, you know, passing harmful agendas, and it is not encouraging a greater diversity in, in democratic debate and policymaking, which is what we need at the forefront. The only thing I'll add to that, uh, because I completely agree with everything Elizabeth said, is that if we want to see changes on the statewide level, if we want a U.S. Senate candidate that's going to actually have a chance, if we want congressional candidates that can win, if we want to take back the governor's mansion, uh, we have to build a bench at the state legislative level. We have to build up enthusiasm in these districts. We have to And that trickles all the way down, all the way down to city council, school boards, county commissions. Like this is the strategy Republicans have been playing for decades. And this is how it is paid off because they write the rules at every level of government. 
and now the minority rules because the people who are staunch conservatives are outnumbered by the rest of Americans uh, sizably. But staunch conservatives control every level of government in so many states where they have no business doing that. And so we have to pay attention to every one of these lower level offices and run quality candidates. Otherwise, we'll never take the more, you know, conventionally exciting seats like these federal seats we're talking about. Are we seeing some of that now? Like, are we running some exciting candidates that um, could potentially make a difference in what we're calling a super majority? And if you don't mind, just explain again, like what you mean by super majority. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're looking at our state legislature, um, we have two chambers. So we have a state Senate chamber and a, a state house uh, chamber. Each has members. So I believe we have 33 senators in Tennessee and 99 House members. So uh, these are the legislators that we elect. Um, uh, senators every four years, House every two years. Uh, ultimately, right now, we only, we, we have so few senators and House members on the Democratic side that we are what we are called in a super minority. So again, that means that we don't actually have enough votes in the Senate or the House for Democrats to stop any legislation. They have um, a super majority, essentially. Uh, so in, in order to break that, um, Catherine, correct me if I'm wrong, we need about seven more Senate seats and nine more House seats that we would have to pick up on the Democratic side to even be able to stop one bill um, without a Republican choosing to vote against his party line. And wow. to add to that, we can make a big difference by just electing a few more though, because I know that number sounds really high, like, oh my God, how are we gonna look like seven more people in one year? Um, right now in the Senate side, um, S senators are broken up into committees based on their policy interests and their skill level and all of those things. And uh, the committees are things like education or uh, transportation or you know, justice. Um, right now in the Senate, a Democrat, which is, by the way, a, the committee is often where the bills start the process before they go to the floor. So a bill has to start, has to make its way out of committee before it can even get voted on by the entire body. Right now, a Democrat cannot get a second in committee, meaning like, I'd like to make a motion. You need a second. I second the motion to even for something to be heard. A Democrat oh, can't get, wow. they have to rely on a Republican to give them a second on their bill for it to even make it out of committee. So a few extra senators, literally, you know, two or three would make a giant difference on Democratic legislation being heard. So with um, current races, do we have a couple of senators that are viable, that could win their seats? Um, and start making this difference in our legislator. Uh, so the, now, now, now we're really talking here. Okay, so we have, first of all, a lot of great state Senate candidates across the state, um, a lot of people to get excited about, but I'm gonna direct your attention to, uh, uh, to two in particular. Um, one is here in Nashville. She just won her primary this week. That's Heidi Campbell who will be running against Senator Steve Dickerson. Um, he is considered a moderate. Um, 
we all live in Nashville. We know moderate Democrats have liked him for years. Um, it's a very moderate district. However, on, uh, on election day of the primary, fully like, I mean, I, I can't remember the off the top of my head the exact number, but it was like double almost the amount of Democrats that showed up to vote in that primary than the Republicans. Uh, even though the Republicans had a very contentious U.S. Senate primary at the top of the ticket, um, Clinton won that district by a hair in 2016. Uh, Bredesen and Dean both won that district by a lot in 2018. And I think it would, that's almost Heidi Campbell's race to lose in Nashville because of how much that shifted in the past four years. The other one is Glenn Scruggs, who is running in Senate 10, that is in Chattanooga and parts, parts of Chattanooga and Bradley County. Um, he is running against Senator Todd Gardenhire, who is the sayer of a lot of offensive, hurtful, awful things. Um, search Google Todd Gardenhire and, and cry your eyes out for the next hour. Um, meanwhile, Scruggs is uh, the assistant police chief of the Chattanooga Police Department. Uh, he's a black man with a beautiful family and um, a, like a sparkling clean kind of like like background. He was raised in Avondale, which is um, a, a community in Chattanooga. You know, he literally watches over the very streets he grew up in today. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about this guy. And uh, with Todd Gardenhire being really the bully of the Tennessee State Senate, he's going to have a tough time going against uh, against a guy like Scruggs. Okay, so two two really important races to pay attention to: Heidi Campbell, Glenn Scruggs. Um, Elizabeth, did you have anything to add on on that? Because we're going to talk about house races as well. No, I think Catherine covered those two races perfectly. Um, those are two of the best opportunities we have. Um, looking at the Senate side, you know, she talked about how, uh, you know, uh, Senate District 20, where Heidi Campbell is running, is, um, you know, prime to win. Um, I think Catherine referenced it as being her race to lose. The numbers just look great there. Um, like she said, Bredesen won. Uh, he won by 61% of the vote. Mm. Um, this is not like narrow margins. Um, this is going to be uh, a race to watch. Uh, Democratic primary turnout was higher than Republican turnout um, here this August. And so uh, things are still pointing for this to, to be a good race. Um, and like Catherine said, in Chattanooga, um, this race is a little bit closer to the margins than um, Senate District 20. Um, but Scruggs is a great candidate with a great story um, and really has the relationships in the community. Garden Hire has not been serving his district well. Um, it has made a lot of poor votes. And I think that um, if Scruggs runs a campaign that is, you know, holding Garden Hire's, you know, feet to the flames and making him, you know, talk about tough votes that he made that, um, uh, his community, the community in, in Chattanooga and Bradley County needs to know about, I think that this race is winnable as well. I have one more comment um, as far as like takes on the Senate races, which is that I have been fully evangelized for Democratic primaries this year. Um, prior to 2020, I hated Democratic primaries and I still do like they're stressful and I don't like when Democrats fight each other. But knowing that Campbell and, you know, it was a it was a pretty close race. So it could have been Abernathy. You know, it really was like both of those campaigns were very well run and very hard fought. But knowing that whomever uh, came out of that primary has a functioning campaign team that 
doesn't really have much to troubleshoot and is just ready to hit the ground running now, um, it, it, it really does, uh, it, it really is going to benefit um, the, in the general election. And I think prior to this year, I just found myself completely <laughs> opposed to uh, to Democrats uh, ever getting in any disagreement at all, because that's all, all we kind of argue too much. Um, but I, I'm really happy that the Campbell, uh, the Campbell race and, you know, Abernathy, if she had won, would have had the same thing, like a fully stocked team and, uh, you know, donors to call, like everything already operating on all cylinders. So I'm really pumped about that. And the same goes for one of the people we probably will talk about on the House side. And kudos just to Kimmy Abernathy's campaign um, and and her. They ran a great campaign um, against Campbell. And I think, um, you know, I think we all would have been happy either way. But I think there were two phenomenal women um, that I, I can't wait to see where what either one of them do in their future. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, it's so great to see to see excellent women candidates. Um, definitely more now than I, maybe I remember seeing when I was younger. So this has been a really cool year. Um, so yeah, let's talk about some house races. Um, and it looks like there are a few close to middle Tennessee, but also, um, maybe in West Tennessee that we should be watching. Um, yeah, take it away. Uh, well, I'll say actually there is one big one in East Tennessee that we should all be watching. Um, and I'll mention that first for a number of reasons. One is, uh, that in District 18, House District 18, that is currently represented by Martin Daniel, who is not running again this year. Um, we have Virginia Couch, who is an attorney and small business owner running as a Democrat. That is a race that two years ago when Greg McKay was the Democratic nominee, uh, he only lost by less than 800 votes. It was razor thin. And frankly, we should have won. I mean, Greg was a great candidate. He worked very hard. Um, Virginia is amazing. Uh, and I, I have a lot of confidence in her. Um, she, frankly, from what I understand, scared Martin Daniel away from running for reelection. If that gives you any <laughs> indication of how strong of, a, of potential she has. She's going to be running against Eddie Manis, who ran for Knoxville mayor last year, famously lost but you know ran a good campaign raised a lot of money however that is a nonpartisan race and when you google eddie manis the first suggested thing that pops up is is eddie manis a democrat or republican he is going to have to rely on a republican base that doesn't trust him and he's gonna end up having to seek money from his friends who are moderate Democrats, which maybe hurts Virginia as far as like getting the money in the door from those moderate Democrats, but it only hurts him with getting the, the Republican vote fired up about him. He almost lost his primary to a Trumpian conservative, like hardcore um, uh, a Republican. Uh, that was a very close primary. So we know that they're not, um, they're they're not happy about it the republican leadership is already saying he's not a real republican they're not going to help him um while we have a real democrat that a lot of people are excited about in a race that and you know at district 18 if uh, if any listeners live in knoxville or know knoxville well that's west knoxville um you've got 
you know, Bearden, that area, um, like uh, around like kind of the West Town Mall area uh, in the city and then all the way up to the county. Uh, it, it, it's a pretty moderate suburban district, which is where we're seeing the most growth for Democrats nationwide. And it's a very exciting race. And I hope that um, that people people really get on board to support Virginia because also she is really sassy. If you ever get to see her speak, go watch one of her videos. Like she's fierce. I love her. <laughs> That's great. And it sounds like we'll need, I mean, this race is winnable, but it could be very close just especially because of who her opponent is. And so definitely one that we should put some support behind is what yeah. I'm hearing. We'll need all the help we can get. Um, other races, let's talk, uh, are there other in middle, uh, East Tennessee or are we moving to Middle Tennessee? Let's talk Middle Tennessee. Uh, so we can first, I think the first thing to talk about is just Murfreesboro and Rutherford County in general. Um, I think it's better just to talk about kind of the suburbs of Nashville as being the next places where we are going to see really great gains and opportunities. So this uh, time around, there are two Rutherford County seats that I think have, show a lot of potential. One is House District um, 49, where a candidate named Brandon Thomas is, as well as Mariah Phillips in House District um, 37. Uh, both of these uh, have pieces of Rutherford County um, within it. Uh, House District uh, 49, where Brandon Thomas is, is mostly Laverne and Smyrna. And then uh, Mariah Phillips is actually Murfreesboro. Um, so both in Rutherford County. Uh, I, ultimately, the numbers are just look great there. A lot of that has to do with just how, like I said, things are changing in Rutherford County. So um, when you're looking at this, um, we just see so many shifting demographics in these areas. Uh, it really has evolved electorally over the years. Um, census studies have showed a, shown an, uh, an increase in total black population um, by only by almost 40%. Um, in Brandon Thomas's district in total Hispanic population by about 13% from 2012 to 2018. Um, that is one of the fastest growing counties in Tennessee. Um, so this is really huge, um, the, the growth in, in Rutherford County, which is what makes some of these races really winnable, as well as both of these um, have Republican opponents um, with vote history uh, that really uh, creates a, a path for Democrats to run against um, of some of the bad votes that they've had. Uh, and I would add that um, Mike Sparks in House District 49 has really made himself a little bit of public enemy number one with some of his just, you know, super insightful comments on racism and the history of slavery in the state. <laughs> and by insightful, I mean really bad takes. Um, he's really opened himself up to a lot of enthusiasm on the Democratic side. Um, and then in West Tennessee, so we've got one in East, two in Middle. We've got three in West Tennessee. Uh, that are all really exciting. One, I, I alluded to it earlier, we have Gabby Salinas, who will be running um, uh, in the open seat to replace Jim Coley. Uh, that one was a very hard fought primary. It was a four way primary um, and uh, uh, Gabby emerged with an overwhelming amount of support. She uh, very famously took on Brian Kelsey two years ago, and that was another one like Greg McKay in East Tennessee. We really should have won that one, uh, and it was really disappointing to see that loss, and I think she 
came out of it with just a, uh, a fiery spirit ready to take on um, uh, uh, the house seat there. Um, so kudos to her and also kudos to um, Alan Creasy and Ruby Powell Dennis and Clifford Stockton who all, you know, worked really hard and also, you know, were all known quantities in their own way. And I hope that that coalition that was built um, and the fired up nature of the voters in the district will help Gabby because um, Coley is retiring. So they're going to be, you know, it's an open seat. It's, it's anybody's game. Um, Jerry Green is also in Shelby County um, and she'll be running against Mark White. She's running a great campaign. She's been running for a long time, uh, which she's built up a war chest. I believe she's told me she's a fundraiser like by profession. So the lady can raise some oh, money. Yeah. And she has, and she's uh, her branding is all on point Her messaging. Um, she's one tough mother. Uh, and she's really been pointing out something that Mariah Phillips in middle Tennessee has been pointing out as well, which is that we have no mothers of school age children currently in the legislature. And that's just, uh, that's, it's a horrible fact wow. because they're making decisions about our, our children's education and they don't have kids in school. Like it's nuts. So I hope for Jerry and Mariah's sake that they win really for all of, you know, the public school kids of Tennessee that, uh, that they get in there. Uh, and then the last one is one I'm very, very excited about. Um, and that's Andrea Bond Johnson, who is running in the, in the only rural area that I would say we have every reason to think we should win here this year. It's three counties, Haywood, Crockett, and Lauderdale. And this is the seat that um, leader Fitzhugh used to hold until 2018 when he decided to run for governor. Andrea ran back then to replace him, but I don't think she got the kind of help she needed to run an effective campaign. She can raise money and she's a great candidate and she just needed a little help. And this year, I think she has that. Uh, and I think that the right, you know, sort of combination of people are really paying attention to that race. Um, and I think, I think if she can replicate her fundraising efforts from 2018, I think that she absolutely could flip that seat back to, for Democrats. We, it was just a Democratic seat two years ago. We have no reason to think we couldn't take it back. Excellent. So yes, we, um, some races to pay attention to in West Tennessee as well um, to support. I mean, and I think people think, you know, even if I live in Middle Tennessee, then I, I just need to focus or give my money in Middle Tennessee. Um, and I think that's a really easy way for, not easy for everyone, but easy for some people to really contribute and to support campaigns if they can't knock doors or make phone calls. People ask me all the time, you know, what they can do to get involved. And you both know what it takes to win elections. You know a lot about this stuff. What do you want someone listening to this podcast to take away? Like something actionable they can do to make a difference in these races across Tennessee. Absolutely. This is easy. Um, first and foremost, vote. Get your friends and family to vote. Um, and, and most importantly, is starting tomorrow or whenever possible, um, give all the time, talent, and treasure that you have to these campaigns. Um, so whether that is volunteering your time and your talent, 
um, or, or donating your treasure or both, that is what keeps these campaigns sustainable and it's what makes them competitive. Um, and it is what will break that super uh, majority that we are talking about that essentially is crippling our ability um, to, to win campaigns. And, you know, I think the number one thing I, I don't think we've actually said is we're having a whole podcast about creating more paths to win for Democrats. Um, and we're not just doing that in, uh, in in a silo. We are doing that because by winning those seats, it gives us power to shape policy. And shaping policy is what helps us um, enact policies and legislation that make our lives and our families' lives better. Um, and that is why this is so important. It is not about a Democrat just winning in your area. It is about changing fundamentally the policies that are shaping our lives and making sure that they are policies that you know average Tennesseans and working class Tennesseans want and believe in, and that makes our lives better. Yeah, I would echo that 1,000%. Um, snaps all around, Elizabeth. Uh, I would add that if you've never volunteered on a campaign before, it's phenomenally easy to just jump in and get started. Um, it will challenge your comfort zone, but uh, you can make phone calls from your home, no matter where you live. Uh, if one of these candidates really excites you and you see potential there, then reach out to their campaign via their social media, their email, um, and any other method. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, volunteer a few hours of your week to make phone calls. Right now, from what we understand, people are answering the phone during COVID a lot more than they usually do. Um, they're starved for conversation in a lot of times. Um, if you are not great talking on the phone, most of these campaigns will be sending out text messages. You can have text message conversations via an app on your phone. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can get involved that, and you know, every campaign will provide you training. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to have the will and the willingness and the time to devote to it. Um, the other thing I will say is that you don't have to be a thousand dollar a pop donor to donate. Uh, if you have an extra $10 a month that you can contribute to making Tennessee a more equitable and fair place, uh, you can do that. Um, most campaigns now have the ability to accept small dollar monthly donations. And a lot of, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the Bernie Sanders presidential campaign is proof, you know, give me your vacuum pennies, <laughs> which I know Bernie Sanders didn't say that. Larry <laughs> David, as Bernie Sanders say, said, that, I love <laughs> the vacuum pennies concept, just, you know, your spare change can go towards a candidate and it does make a difference. And when you have a lot of those small dollar donors, they do add up. So a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas can always be addressed, right? You can find a place for yourself to make a difference. And frankly, if you're the type of person that listens to this podcast, then you care enough that there should be no excuse, like find a way you can plug in and do it. That is great. Oh, man. Okay. Listen, this has been so fun and really enlightening. And thank you both for your service to Tennessee. I didn't even mention earlier, but Catherine, you were also recently elected. Um, District 19, correct? Yes. Are we allowed to mention that on this? <laughs> yes, of course. I'm, a, I'm the District 19 Executive Committee woman for the Tennessee Democratic Party. That is an elected position with a governing body for the state party. Um, that means we have oversight over the party. It doesn't mean I 
singularly and only have oversight over the party. There are a man, there's a man and a woman from every Senate district in the state that we do it by Senate districts um, on the committee. So it's about 70 something people in the room that make these decisions, um, including voting on party chair. Um, very recently, very controversially, um, we removed people from the ballot. Um, by we, I mean the governing body. Um, so it is an important role that many people overlook. And if you're not involved with your county or state party, um, you're listening to people right now who would love to get you involved if you have concerns or thoughts or feelings about the direction of the party or suggestions, or you just want to know more. Uh, you can always reach out to me, especially if you're in District 19. My email is katherine.harrigus at gmail.com. As long as you can spell my name, you can find me, which I realize is a challenge. But uh, I would love to hear from people who are, you know, technically constituents. It's funny that I have constituents. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I would love to hear from people. And um, frankly, we have a long way to go in getting Democrats in shape in the state, and it's going to take people getting involved in these, in these offices that don't feel significant, maybe, in your everyday lives, but they do have an impact, um, and we're, we're all going to have to take part and make our voices heard for change to happen. And I do feel like you're seeing that Tennesseans are, are realizing and, and feeling the implications of, of elections and uh, of this year and its importance. Um, I, I, all I can say is I was so thrilled to see what turnout looked like in this primary in Tennessee. Um, you know, I think compared to 2012, I think it was like 30%, 30, 35% higher, 76% higher than 2016. Um, you know, people were turning out to vote in a primary. I can't wait to see what it looks like in November. People um, are excited to, to be a part of this process um, in a way that I don't feel like I have felt in a very long time. Um, and just a side note, 500% increase in vote by mail. Um, so ultimately, uh, you know, down the road, fight for us to continue to have access to the ballot matters. Um, and when people have the ability to have better access to the ballot, we have better um, voting laws, people participate. And those barriers have implications on some of the most um, at-risk communities. And that is how we, how we change the state and flip the state also, is not just flipping these races, but allowing Tennesseans to actually be able to be a part of the process um, in a way that they, they currently aren't and have um, roadblocks stopping them. Thank you, Elizabeth. Yes. Um, all right, y'all. Again, thank you both um, just for the work you're doing in Tennessee and for sharing your insights tonight. And honestly, we don't deserve either of you. And I hope we can get our act together in Tennessee because you've given us plenty to think on um, and plenty to act on, which is very important here. Keyword act. Um, so that's all. Thanks. Tara, so that part of the conversation I've already said, pretty excited about what we're talking about here in Tennessee. Some of these races are super interesting and could be very important in terms of changing the legislature. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think we are looking going into the November election with some of this, I don't know, pandemic fatigue? I don't know what to call it. 
but <laughs> if folks do want to get involved in some way and make a difference, what uh, what resources would you point them to? Are there any centralized resources you would point folks to to get involved in Tennessee? Here are some organizations where you can get involved and who are working tirelessly to make sure people are getting to the polls um, in every race. So look at the Equity Alliance, check out um, their website. They put out an excellent ballot guide, which I recommend to everyone I know. So if you're just mm-hmm. curious about breaking down each race, go download their ballot guide. Um, share that with friends. Tell friends to vote. The other thing I would say is connect with your local party. If you're in Davidson County, the Davidson County Democratic Party can connect you with plenty of resources to get involved with elections this November, whether that's giving people rides to the polls um, or helping just get out the vote in general, we're, we're doing that work. So join us. Um, and then obviously campaigns, if you are really passionate about Glenn Scruggs campaign in Chattanooga, holler at Glenn on his website, holler at his campaign, give them money, see what you can do. Maybe they need you to drop off lit at people's houses. Um, do that, help out in whatever way you can. Absolutely. Same would go for any race. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to having more conversations with you and other folks about uh, what's going on in our local government, both here in Davidson County and across the state. And uh, yeah, getting folks involved. Thank you again to Catherine Harrigus and Elizabeth Henderson for making yourselves available to talk about these races. It is so valuable to have this information out in the wild. It was perfect. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, people out here and they don't know, they don't know what's going on. So, you know, this is just, this is just the start, but this is a lot of great stuff to work with if you're looking to get involved. And thank you, Tara, for making that happen. Thank you, Mary Ellen, for making it happen. <laughs> Let's do okay, it again soon, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it again soon. That sounds good. Cool, cool, cool. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye.